Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Thanks for joining us on another edition of Poker Action Line. I'm Big Dave Lemon, and tonight's show is a Best of Poker Action Line show. We always do this every year around the holidays where we replay some of our great interviews from the year and also run down some of the events that painted a picture in 2017. Of course, the country going, undergoing great big changes with Donald Trump being elected president, taking over in January. And that will have a big effect on the world of poker for years to come as his attorney general and his staff will put forth their ideas and try to change things, uh, not looking forward to a lot of the ideas that they have. But we did have a great year in poker in 2017 with the state of Pennsylvania approving online poker and moving forward in that direction, hopefully the new administration will not block any of these new plans, and we can t- continue to expand poker both live and online in future years to come. I want to start off tonight's show with an interview we did back in March with Mike Sexton, one of the great ambassadors of the game of poker. Mike, in a bit of transition later in the year when he decided to leave the WPT, he had been on the air as the main broadcaster for 15 years and decided to move on and do a few other things with his career. Of course, in the end of the latter part of 2016, he won his first WPT event in Montreal. Then after the first of the year, came back and had a big uh, fourth-place finish in Los Angeles at the LAPC final table. So Mike, uh, who has always told me that he would like to be looked back on as a great poker player more than a great broadcaster, or a great ambassador of the game, but of course he is all of those. And he gave me some time at the Seminole Hard Rock this year for a few minutes, uh, stepping away from a charity event that he was hosting, and we sat down and talked for a few minutes. Here's what Mike Sexton had to say in our conversation. It's been an incredible year since I saw you last here in South Florida, uh, winning your first WPT title and and the book and everything. Tell me about the last year, and has it been like just a whirlwind? It really has been. Very exciting year for me, no question about it. And uh, I did win a WPT title, made another final table, and another result. So uh, it's been good in terms of the poker playing. So that's great, but it's also been exciting because I did my book, as you said, Life's a Gamble, which is a fun and entertaining read. Anybody that likes poker, golf, gambling stories of any kind will love the book for sure. And now here we are back at the Hard Rock down in Florida for a big season-ending finale of events. It's going to be a very exciting time here coming up. And it's not just the Seminole Hard Rock Showdown, which is amazingly in its seventh year, but back with the Tournament of Champions. Uh, so you got a couple of weeks here in South Florida to, to enjoy the weather and have a good time. Yeah, we have the, the main event here, the 3500 buy-in. Then there's a 10K season-ending event as well. And then, of course, if you're eligible to play like I am, thankfully, this year, <laughs> into the WPT Tournament of Champions. So... Uh, it really is going to be an exciting couple of weeks, and I'm thrilled to be able to play in the WPT TOC because, uh, you know, the Tournament of Champions means a lot to me. I created the original one in poker. I won the World Series of Poker Tournament of Champions, and now I get a chance for the trifecta here, so I'm excited. 
Tell me a little about the book. Uh, obviously, you had all those stories, and I'm sure you thought about it for a long time, putting it together. Uh, what made you finally sit down and said, I'm going to do it now? And it was before you won your WBT, really. Yeah. So many people said, you know, you've got so many good stories in poker, you should put them together, put them in a book. And I got to thinking, you know, like I am the last link of the real old school guys, the guys that played the main event at the World Series back in the 70s to today's player. And, you know, so I am a link between those generations. And, you know, I had a lot of stuff that I thought people would be interested in reading. And so I decided to put it together. And uh, I'm very proud of the book, actually. It's a really fun, entertaining read. Speaking of old school, uh, what about uh, the changes in poker now? Obviously, the online stuff has changed. You were a, a forerunner of the online poker scene and, and started that, really, with a lot of people. Uh, you know, here we still are struggling after Black Friday, uh, just just hoping that maybe someday we can we can get it down here in Florida and other parts of the country as well. Well, I think there's no question. It's about freedom of choice more than playing poker, in my opinion. And, you know, to tell somebody that they can't play a $20 poker tournament in their own house, you know, some people like to go to dinner, some like to go to movies, some like to shop. Well, millions of people like to play poker tournaments. And I think it's crazy that a guy can come play in a casino all day and then go home and they say he can't play in his own house. Just doesn't make sense if you think about it. So hopefully it changes. They'll legislate it. It's going to go state by state. But I think once it starts, everybody will pile on. It'll be a domino effect because I think every state will recognize, hey, we're missing out on that money. And to me, even if you're anti-gambler, which I can admire and appreciate those kind of people, if they don't want to gamble or anything, you don't have to play. Yet you're going to receive the benefits of bigger pay for your police departments, uh, more money to pave your roads, et cetera, et cetera, whatever you use the money for. But... Uh, you know, millions of people do like to play. They love to take out the tax for it and help out the communities and the cities and the states. And, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me why it hasn't passed already. Absolutely. Uh, when you won that tournament in Montreal and then the, I think the other one was a fourth-place finish earlier this year? It was at the L.A. Poker Classic, which is good for 300 k so that was nice. And uh, what changes? I mean, I know how important it is to you to be recognized as a player, not just your broadcasting and the other things that you do. Um, what changed in this last year? Well, I got lucky. That was what changed. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't take any bad beats like I'm usually telling when I'm walking out of the tournament room and uh, all my hands held up in Montreal, and I even sucked out a few days uh, a couple times to stay alive in the tournament. So it was just time. It was destiny on my side, honestly. And, uh, you know, everything just fell my way that week, and I came out on top. But for me, uh, you know, just to get your name on the, on the Champions Cup and to be eligible to play in the Tournament of Champions the rest of my life, and have the benefits of WPT champions, that's very special to me. Okay, Tournament of Champions is still about a week and a half away, uh, but unique because it has the shot clock, which was a big success. People loved it last year. Uh, didn't really see it uh, proliferate el elsewhere, but uh, we're back with it this year. A few changes, but uh, it's something I know you're a big proponent of. Yeah, it's actually called the Action Clock, and it's phenomenal. I think every tournament, every cash game in the world, should use the action clock. It's just so much better for the game. It speeds it up. You don't have to worry about people staring you down. And even the guys that talk a lot, you know, they have to stop talking in 30 seconds, otherwise fold their hand. So to me, it only makes sense to add it everywhere. And I know this. Once it gets incorporated everywhere, everybody will be saying, why didn't we do this 10 years ago? This is ingenious because it makes the game better. There's a reason that every pro sport has a shot clock, an action clock, uh, to speed up play, time between plays. Uh, and, you know, because it makes it better for the game, it makes it better for the fans, and poker's no different. And certainly uh, I'm a big believer in the action clock. I, I think every tournament 
Every cash game should have one. The end of another WPT season here with uh, these two tournaments here in South Florida. Uh, I guess when you go back, what, uh, 15 years ago, would you ever have thought that uh, still be around you and Vince doing these tournaments? Pretty amazing, 15 years, and we just got renewed four more years on Fox Sports. So, uh, you know, poker's good for the World Poker Tour. But what I like the most about it is how we've expanded globally in the last couple years. And Adam, our president, obviously, is the main reason for that. But, uh, you know, we were bought out by a company in China. And with the global expansion now of the World Poker Tour, we have events literally all over the world. And, you know, that's been really fun to see that evolutionize. Okay. Good luck uh, this week. Let's hope we don't see you uh, on the broadcast because that means you're at the final table. Yeah, you're right. That would be nice. So, you know, it's a couple times this year I haven't had to do the ADR work, the voiceover work, as we say, when you go back to the studio because I was at the final table and didn't have to work. But, uh, you know, it's fun, and uh, hopefully the good run continues for me. Great year. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, that distinctive voice of Mike Sexton, the voice of the World Poker Tour for 15 years, of course, earlier this year he stepped away from that position, handing over the reins to Tony Dunst. And he will continue, Tony will continue to work with Vince Van Patten for hopefully years to come. And we look forward to finding out what Mike will be doing. Of course, we'll always see him at the tables, but I'm sure he has some projects in mind for 2018. And we look forward to our next conversation with Mike. Let's take our first break of the show. We have a lot of things planned tonight, including conversation with Matt Savage, who is, of course, the World Poker Tour's executive tour director. And we talked about the state of the game, what was happening in 2017, what was to come in the future. And it's a long interview, so I want to break it into two parts, but we will hear that tonight as part of our program. Also, my conversation with Jason Mercier and his wife, Natasha, who got married at the end of 2016 and had their first baby late in the year in October of 2017. How it's changed their lives. I actually spoke with them when Natasha was pregnant back in uh, April and uh, talked to them again later in the year. Do not have that interview on hand, but uh, we will, I'm sure, talk with them several times. Uh, Healthy baby boy, Marco Henry Mercier, was born in October, and of course that will change their lives dramatically, but Jason has always been a great family person And we'll look forward to what they had to say earlier this year. Also, we'll put together some other things for you. We hope you'll stick around in the show tonight and listen to the best of 2017 right here on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. M2, M2! Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work, there's the comic book collection, the race car bed... Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. 
I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control of my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown-up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon on Poker Action Line. This is the best of Poker Action Line 2017. And what would a show be for a best of series without Matt Savage? Matt, uh, one of the greats of the game, a tournament director for many, many years, has done many things in the world of poker. He's acted in poker movies. He has uh, put together uh, standardized rules through his uh, role with the Tournament Directors Association and, of course, uh, Tournament Director for the World Poker Tour, uh, especially uh, in places like Bay 101 and the Commerce Casino in Los Angeles and does a lot here at the Seminole Hard Rock in South Florida. So Matt has always been uh, fair with his time and uh, gave me quite a long interview. We'll have this one in two parts, but this is part one when I spoke to him back in April. WPT Tournament of Champions, I'm with Matt Savage, and a uh, nice little trip to Florida again for you. You had the big California swing out there, and then you got to jump right on a plane and come down here to South Florida, but it's always uh, nice down here. Yeah, Calgary in the middle, too. So, yeah, it was nice to get down here to some good weather. Got out to play some golf and, uh, you know, to the pool a couple times as well. So, while coming to Florida is always a work trip, it's also a time to have uh, a little bit of relaxation, too, because they've got such a great staff and dealers here that make it a little easier to get away. And now that Tony's settled in, Tony Burns, who uh, we also did a real nice interview with, a uh, good friend of yours yeah. and, and doing a great job here, and it's always fun to get together and, and work on a, on a big project like this. Definitely. I mean, you know, the fact that... Uh, we worked on getting him in here for oh, quite a while, me and William Mason, and, and it's worked out great. So, I mean, he's really adjusted uh, himself. And, you know, my key to getting him in here was that he knew the Florida players. He knew the air players in the area. So that was always a, super important to me because I think that, you know, once you know the players in the area and you have a relationship with them like he does, uh, it's going to make it a much better experience for the players. I think he's done that. You guys have been doing this for so long. It just seems so ultra smooth. I haven't seen any problems here. Uh, how has it worked out for you? It's been great. You know, we uh, generally coming down here, you know, they have such a great ballroom and such a great uh, surrounding to the event. I mean, not only is the hotel great, but there's also, you know, this ballroom and the, and the setup that they do for it, which is something we don't get in a lot of places that I work. And uh, while I think that's unfortunate, I think that the people at the top here really care about poker. Uh, so for me, that's the biggest part of it. If they didn't care about poker as much as they do, we wouldn't have the success that we do here. And it's, you know, I mean, it's spacious and, you know, and great. And, you know, with all the changes coming up, I expect even better in the future. And it's great for the property. They don't have to cut off their cash games. They have that over there. And uh, anybody that gets knocked out of a tournament can go over and play cash. So it's a great situation for them. Yeah, not only the cash games, but they also have great preliminary events and post-slim events that they, people can play. If they bust out, they can try and get even in those events. And, you know, there's just so many different things to see and do here. Uh, that, you know, there's always something to do outside of the tournament if you're not doing that or playing another event or playing a cash game. I mean, there's a lot to do down here in Florida, which is great. 
you were one of the innovators of re-entry tournaments, which you felt maybe was not the greatest thing for the game in the long run. And uh, the Hard Rock has been able to work in a couple of tournaments here that are freeze-outs that have no re-entries. Um, is it something that you think will be on the increase in the next few years, or people just looking at their bottom line and trying to cram as many uh, entries as they can in the tournament? Yeah, I mean, again, when I started re-entry at the Commerce in 2010, I had no idea that it would do what it has done to the game. And, you know, the reason that I did it is so we could have a small buy-in and a big guarantee. And basically people turned it into a way to make more money and and, and, and uh, change the way the game is played because, you know, those that have the bigger bankrolls I think do have the advantage. And, uh, you know, while people think that it's just the same set of circumstances, I don't really feel like it is. So I love the fact that, you know, William and, and Tony have gotten behind the fact that, you know, a single reentry or no reentry and a freeze-out is the way to go because I do think... You know, in in the end, it's what's going to make this uh, industry thrive um, outside the expansion of the game uh, to outside of the U.S. and, you know, Latin America and to China and to India, where we're going now with the World Poker Tour. I think those three things are going to make the game survive and thrive even more. You mentioned China, and I know that's uh, been on your mind for at least three or four years that you've been really pushing for that. Uh, where does that stand now? Is the game picking up over there? It definitely is. We have WPT Beijing uh, following this event in a couple weeks. Uh, so the fact that we're going to be in mainland China in Beijing is uh, amazing. We've been in mainland China in Sanya uh, for a few years now, but just think of it, we have a shot at uh, over a billion people uh, joining our game. And if we do that, obviously it's going to grow exponentially. And, you know, in addition to that, we're already working on going into India, which uh, makes us truly the global world poker tour, which is what we've wanted for a long time, and another billion people that could possibly be a part of this great game. And so uh, I think, you know, those expansions are happening, and I think it's really exciting for poker. And I thought women in poker was the last frontier, but the China thing, uh, I mean, the game could just explode, and and not just Macau and Beijing, but, you know, such a huge country, uh, if it got to all parts of that country, it would be incredible. Yeah, you and I, Dave, have been fighting for the the women piece for a long time, and I think we still have a long way to go. You know, you see it out there, there's still a lot of negativity talk about, you know, the way women are treated in the game, and for sure, it's so important to me and, and you and and to many others that feel like, you know, we got to get carve that piece out. If we just get that number up to 10, 15, 20% of the game being uh, women, I think it would be a much more pleasant place to be. Uh, you've done so many great things for the game over the years, uh, starting out with the uh, standard standardization of, uh, you know, poker rules. Everybody was, it was like the Wild West. Everybody had their own rules for such a long time with a TDA. You've kind of, uh, you know, it's not perfect, but uh, you've kind of established a real standard around the country for that. Uh, are you pleased with the way that's turned out? For sure I'm pleased. I mean, we have another summit coming up this year, the 30th and 31st, and it's going to be a lot of fine-tuning. And, you know, there's always new things that come up. There's always new rules, and people see new things all the time in this game, which is amazing to me. Think of how many hands have been played, and you just don't see everything. You know, I have a new, uh, couple new things that are coming up this year that, you know, will really tighten down the procedures and what we're doing so we can be more standardized and everybody's doing the same thing. Because I do think it's super important that, you know, even if you don't agree with something as a TD, if you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing, it's better for the game, it's better for the players, and it's better for the TDs that are out there trying to do their job. I did a little research today, and I know you started as a dealer, uh, you know, as, like many have. You know, Tony has been a dealer, and, and really a lot of people who moved their way up to management have done that. And one of the big things for you was to 
to cut out the abuse of dealers over the years. That was really horrible years ago, and now I, I never see that happen. Yeah, I actually started as a chip runner, so I started one uh, okay. rung, one <laughs> rung lower. But I, you know, I enjoyed the industry, and I've always enjoyed dealing. And like I said, it was just a fluke that I became uh, in tournaments at all because I really enjoyed dealing. And you know, where I came from in the Bay Area, San Jose, abuse was not tolerated. And it wasn't until I got out of that area where I saw so much of the other abuse going. You know, L.A., Vegas, and you know, everywhere else that I went, it seemed like the the treatment of dealers was, was terrible. So. It's super important to me. It's been important to me my whole career. And, you know, a lot of times I'll take a less mechanical dealer uh, that has a great attitude, a great personality, and, and is able to handle the players more than somebody that's, you know, the best finely tuned dealer. So uh, it's super important to me. I think that, you know, their dealers are the frontline employees of the uh, casino industry, and they're vital to what we have today. You know, I have to ask you about this. Uh Despite the fact that, uh, you know, you've worked so hard on all these tournaments, you are getting a little guff in the press right now and maybe from some players for the social experiment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell us a little about that. And, uh, you know, is it an overreaction of players or because I certainly know that your heart is in the right place and people are going to definitely want to go in that direction. But there's a few who are really going to fight you on it. Yeah, I mean, you say guff, but I tell you what, I've got more positive comments than negative by a wide margin of people not only wanting to try it because they think it will be fun and interesting, but also that, you know, people that are on their phones are distracting the game, you know, is there possibly an issue with uh, cheating or whatever. You know, I don't see that as much of an issue. But what I do see is that it really has taken some of the social interaction out of the game. So this is a fun experiment. It's a one-time tournament. It's not something that I'm trying to push for for further uh, use in all tournaments. But I would like to see... You know, maybe a, a one-off experiment uh, every few months uh, to see how it goes. If it goes well, we're going to definitely do it again. And, you know, maybe we'll put in another series here or two. But I definitely think it's going to be interesting to see uh, because I've always said that, you know, while I'm trying to do this, I'm one of the biggest abusers in the world of this. And even when I'm playing, I have to bring extra chargers and all those things because I, too, am addicted to social media and the phone and all those things that, are, you know, have taken time away from you know, me thinking and doing other creative things. So I would love to see this work. I would love to see it go successfully. And those that are arguing, you know, their arguments are kind of silly, to be honest. You know, maybe I'll be cold and I want to have a hood over my head. Or, you know, I have light (laughs) sensitivity. Or what if my wife calls me and I can't answer the phone? Well, you know, what happens when you're in a movie? What happens when you're in church for a couple hours? Are Are you not, are you connected to your phone at that time? Are you, you know, and by the way, you can use your phone anytime during the tournament. You just have to step outside the tournament area. We'll get to more of that interview with Matt Savage a little later in the program tonight as we discuss the action clock and several other things he's involved in, the world of poker, and the changes in 2017 and the future of the game. But before we go to our break, uh, I wanted to carry one more interview, and that is the one I had jointly with Jason Mercier and his wife Natasha. She was about four months pregnant at the time, and of course, in October, she had uh, their first child, a a baby boy that is very healthy, and over the holiday season, I've been watching some of the videos of the baby that they have posted on Twitter and other places, and uh, very happy for them. A great couple, great family people, and uh, certainly a credit to the game of poker. They did uh, take some time with me earlier in the year, and I spoke with them together, Jason and Natasha Mercier. 
Seminole Hard Rock with Jason Mercier and, and Natasha Mercier for the first time uh, as, a, as a married couple. Uh, how have things changed? I'm going to start with Natasha here because I know Jason has been doing whatever he wants for a long time. <laughs> but now that you're married, uh, what, how does that change things in poker? Um, it hasn't changed much of anything, like it didn't change much of anything for the first month and then I got pregnant and it was the first trimester and with morning sickness and sleepiness I was not able to play much, um, and now it's getting better, so that's changed. Okay. So when do you do? October 5th. Okay. So that's when the things change for you. Mm-hmm. Then you gotta, you gotta pick up a little responsibility here. Uh, yeah, well, things are changing every day because she uh, she has mood swings and she's complaining about gaining uh, half a pound and uh, asking me if she looks fat and all these things. So, but I keep telling her she looks great and to uh, to stop going crazy and uh, you know all those things. So, I'm learning how to deal with a, a pregnant wife. And I know, I know you're a real family guy, obviously, you know, having having met your parents and everything, how important this is going to be to you. Uh, do you think down the road it's going to change how much you play, how much you travel? There won't be, will there be seven weeks in uh, Vegas in the summer? Uh, well, it's definitely going to change things. I mean, especially if we start having multiple kids, uh, you know, I want to be around for that. And uh, my whole plan uh, with, you know, playing, uh, traveling six, seven months out of the year was to try to make enough money so that, when I have a wife and kids, that I'll be able to not travel as much. So, uh, you know, that's uh, coming now around the corner. Uh, we got our first baby in six months. So, um, but we're also going to kind of see how things go. You know, uh, we'll see how, uh, if we can handle traveling with the baby uh, to certain stops and, and whatever. But, uh, I mean, ultimately the goal is to uh, to sort of retire eventually and, and stay at home and, uh, and raise the family and be a team. You gotta be careful about not making too many prop bets or uh, bracelet predictions, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, this <laughs> summer I might do that. I'm, I'm not sure. It's gonna really depend on how the next couple of months go and whether I feel like uh, making those. But uh, the next year after that, uh, I doubt I'll be making uh, bracelet bets if I have, uh, you know, a baby that's uh, relying on me. Now you're moving down here. You're from Tampa, where it's really taken off with the Hard Rock up there, the brand new room up there. Uh, it's completely different down here from there. I'm from Largo up there, so I know how it is up there. Do you like it down here? I I love it. Where we live, we're able to like walk to the beach, walk to the stores, uh, just walk pretty much everywhere. I take my bike out. It's, it feels more like European for me, so I feel more at home. I'm from a place where I used to walk everywhere. I never even needed to use a car. So. And speaking of things being close by, the tournament's here, really a, a big part of that for you. Yeah, it's nice to have uh, these big festivals here, um, you know, 10, 10, 15 minute drive from where we live. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just refreshing to be able to play high stakes poker uh, when you're actually at home. Yeah. Well, we got to see the proposal. Now we're uh, looking forward to seeing the first baby. We kind of feel like we're a part of your lives. Mm, yeah, I don't think we're going <laughs> to film the, the birth, but uh, or at least not publicly. But, uh, but yeah, well, I'm sure there will be pictures uh, posted of, of the baby shortly okay. after. And good luck to both of you this weekend. How's things going in the tournament so far this one? Uh, not great. I mean, uh, I, uh, I got 63rd and 3,500 for, you know, basically nothing. And, uh, now I'm playing this 10K. I have starting stack. Um, but, uh, it's 20 blinds. So hopefully, uh, by next break, I'll have 200. Okay. Well, congratulations. We're absolutely thrilled for you. 
Now, if Mark Rick comes through with this uh, great uh, recruiting class, we're going to have a we're going to have a great 2017. Yeah, that would be nice if we had a good team for once. <laughs> okay, good luck to you guys. Thanks. One of the truly uplifting stories of 2017: the marriage of Jason and Natasha Mercier late in 2016. And then the birth of their first child late in 2017. Jason, a true family man who uh, has great parents that I've met before and uh, really has family as a priority in his life. The joy of having a first son uh, in 2017. Of course, it will disrupt his poker life somewhat, as he mentioned, but uh, he wouldn't have it any other way, and neither would Natasha. We'll go to our second break, but when we come back, I want to talk about the story of Shetty Siddiqui, which is, on the flip side, one of the tragedies of 2017, but also showing a lot of resilience uh, has Shetty in this uh, year of 2017. And we'll hear about his story when we return. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide and right now this game is in a play for free test mode and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. 2017, a great year in poker all over the world, especially here in the United States where, as I mentioned, Pennsylvania adds online poker to their repertoire and we look forward to the start of that later this year in 2018 but also around the world plenty of great events WSOP Europe we had the 
first ever uh, WPT China, WSOP China also, as well as we continue to expand the game all over the world. Great tournaments in Australia and India and elsewhere in the world. Also in the United States, the Great World Series of Poker in Las Vegas this summer. Tremendous events here in South Florida from the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open to the WSOP Circuit, the final one, at the Palm Beach Kennel Club as that moves to the Seminole Coconut Creek in 2018. Of course, we wish all the stories could be as uplifting as Jason and Tasha's, but life goes on, and there are tragedies in life and in poker, and one of those happened to Shetty Siddiqui, a very popular South Florida player. His wife, Kathy, age 39, died in March of 2017, went to work one day at DHL where she worked and had a massive heart attack and died very suddenly. They, Kathy and Shetty had two sons, uh, Zach and Shane, age 6 and 11, and Shetty was left to raise the children now on his own and with a big poker life with lots of travel. It certainly changed his life in just a split second. He's shown a great deal of resiliency, though, eventually getting back to the game that he makes his living at and the game that he loves. He hasn't been able to travel as much, obviously, dealing with the tragedy, but a very sad story, and certainly one of the uplifting things of this one is that the support of the poker community, raising money financially and also giving their emotional support to Shetty, helped him get through the summer and back to the World Series eventually, and then at the end of the year, here at the Seminole Hard Rock, who he was an ambassador for, for much of this year. Now they have discontinued that program toward the end of the year. But Shetty wore the patch and uh, represented the Hard Rock brilliantly all year and, and in previous years. Came back to his home poker room for the Seminole Rock and Roll Poker Open and made the final table. He ended up finishing in fourth place. It would have been a Cinderella story to see him win. But he finished fourth, made $121,000, and he will continue his poker career and raise his sons as we move into future years. A great story, and we give him all our support and respect for the way he has handled this tough situation. We want to get back to our Matt Savage interview. I wanted Matt to expand a little bit on the social experiment. So we start there. And also talk about the action clock, as he gave us plenty of time. And this is part two of our interview with Matt Savage. Well, why don't you explain exactly what you're trying to accomplish? Uh, you know, you went into it a little bit, but uh, uh, is there any way you can change the game over? It's certainly not going to happen with one $350 tournament, but uh, you, do, you, do you expect it to get expanded if people seem to like it? I think it might get expanded. I mean, obviously, it's got a lot of press. It's probably 15 different articles in about six different countries. People have been writing about it. So, obviously, I think there's a, it's a problem with our society, not with just poker, right? I mean, people are addicted to their devices. They're causing car accidents. People are texting while they're driving. People are looking at their phones while they're uh, doing everything, walking into people. I see people, you know, there's videos all over YouTube about people looking on their phones and walking into water fountains and things like that. So it's definitely a societal problem. It's not just a poker. So I think if people look at what they're doing, uh, as I have had to look at what I'm doing and how it's affected my life, 
I think that this is a good way to open some eyes and maybe uh, make some changes, not only to poker, but to the rest of society. Okay, two last things. Uh, I know something you've been encouraging for a long time is the uh, proliferation of mixed games, which really just doesn't seem to be happening. I mean, you did have a $2,200 PLO tournament here in this series, and, of course, you can get the big tournaments, uh, many different kinds of games at the World Series of Poker, but it just doesn't seem to be kicking in quite the way a lot of us would like to see. Well, you know, I think a lot of people see No Limit as, as the uh, only game, and it's not. You know, I uh, enjoy all the other games. I'm better at them, too. So for, for me, it's, it's a better thing. But I think if people stepped in and played some of the other games, they might uh, regain some of their interest in poker, and I think that that's important. Uh, I would love to see people play more games. Obviously, if they're getting more enjoyment and playing different things, uh, they may come back to the game. They may uh, find out different ways that uh, they can make a make a buck or, or play these other events that are quite fun. And, you know, these other games, like we were talking about before, the social experiment, are more social. People are talking to each other. People are, you know, paying attention because it's a seven-card stud game. You need to see what the uh, up cards are. You need to pay more attention. So I think that might be some of the problem, that people don't uh, pay attention as much as they'd like to. So, you know, with no limit, you can still get your two cards and turn it off. You know, make decisions based on what you have. Whereas these other games, you may have to make decisions based on what everybody else has. So I think that, uh, you know, mixed games have a definite part in the growth of the game, and I would obviously love to see more and more of it. Just from here today, uh, you know, look at the final three tables. These are the best players in the world, obviously, all on the Champions Cup. And I think I saw one headphone, one hood, and one pair of sunglasses out of all 21 guys or something like that. So it's really not that big a deal. Right, I mean, it doesn't seem like it is, but again, uh, you know, with the TOC, uh, I think that you see that these guys are good players, right? They have won championships, so uh, it's fun to watch all these guys get together and uh, see how they interact with each other. And it's been more social, too, to be honest. It has been more social. I've seen it. Last thing, uh, World Series of Poker is what it is. The WPT, huge expansion over the last few years going all over the place. But i got to say, probably the two most important tournaments uh, that people seem to enjoy the most are Bay 101, which you just finished, and where you're uh, a regular uh, tournament director at, and the Hard Rock, where you come here. Uh, this place has just expanded so much and is so popular, and they're taking it to the next level this summer. So um, that's got to say something about uh, who you are and, and being associated with these two huge events. Yeah, I mean, you know it. Uh, I don't have to tell you, but uh, from where they've come in 2009 when I first came over here and then worked with William Mason to where they are today is definitely the most impressive growth and change of anything I've ever seen in poker. Uh, They have just really grown up here. William has done amazing things here. He doesn't get enough credit. I really hope you put something in there about him because uh, while Tony's here, and he's been here two years, without William's pushing for these guarantees and the people above him that are supportive, Larry Frank uh, and uh, Larry Mullen, has just, it's just been unbelievable that the growth that they've had, and really they are a true force, and they could actually make headway on some of the biggest tournaments in the world. You know, I don't have to mention their name, but the World Series of Poker. They're, they really have a focus on becoming the biggest and the best here, and, uh, you know, with the things that they're doing with the property, they really have an opportunity to do that. And South Florida Poker is is amazing. You know, there's so much poker out there right now, and it's so difficult because there's always something going on all the way across the country, but they seem to figure out how to get people to come down here, 
even with the hotel room situation the way it is. And I think that that's going to be improving. They're getting more hotel rooms. Uh, I think it's going to be an amazing future for the uh, Selma Hargrove property. And having the grinder in the chip lead doesn't hurt. It uh, makes it for a little excitement for South Florida poker fans. I tell you, you know, it's one of those things where you guys have so many great players that come out of here. Rob Mizraki almost won the, you know, the $10,000 finale, but also Michael Mizraki making the final table here last year in the TOC, and you know, Jason Mercer winning the 25000 And Jason would die to be in this tournament, trust me. You know, he talks about, uh, you know, winning a WPT, and Phil Hummer talks about winning a WPT so they can get into this tournament of champions. And, Others out there, you know, me, myself, I'm jealous. I would love to play in this event. I would love to be a part of the Tournament of Champions. So it's fun to watch, and it's fun to see so many great players coming out of South Florida and you know, personalities as well, you know, the Grinder and, and Jason and, and all these guys that have come out of here. Really, you know, they are our industry. Uh, they are the top pros in the game, and it's great to see. Uh, one last thing that I forgot to mention is the action clock. Uh, which seems to be a total non-factor here. I mean, you don't even notice it. It's, it's you hear the you hear the beep go off occasionally, but there certainly has been no problems. And uh, you know, you guys made a few tweaks from last year, and uh, that's got to be the next big thing to catch on everywhere for for these huge tournaments. I think. Well, I tell you, it's going to be uh, it's interesting to see because I would love to use it more, but again, I think it has to be in a controlled environment. And again, the dealers that are here dealing with them are the some of the best dealers in the industry. Let's let's face it. So it is small, controlled environment, players that know what they're doing. All of those things are factors on making the action clock work. Now, the question is, is could we make it work uh, on a bigger scale? And I think it would be tougher if you had, you know, a thousand player field to make it work uh, effectively. So what we're talking about using it is maybe for final tables or deeper in the tournament. But again, my fear with that was always changing something midway through the tournament. So I think if you schedule it in advance and put it in, in writing in the structure sheet that, hey, we're going to it at this point, it could work and it will work, and I think that we're going to be using it again in, in more events. Uh, you know, Protection Poker and the Ashton Clock have done a lot for this event, and I think that the players, there's not a single complaint about it. Everybody understands it, everybody's using it, and I think it makes the game better. And as I mentioned at the top of this segment and discussed with Matt briefly in that interview, the expansion of poker into China is a huge story in the poker world this year, but there has also been expansion into India, and it's, the game is becoming very popular in that country. We talked with one of the great players of India, Indian tradition and heritage, Nipun Java, who won a big tournament here in South Florida, the opening event of the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open. And we got a chance to discuss with him poker in his country and where it will go from here. I'm with Nipun Java, who lives in California now, but from India. And uh, we all find that to be a very interesting story because Indian people are really taking off in poker right now, and I'm sure you're thrilled about that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you said it right. Like a lot of good talent in India, especially poker, it's kind of suited to our psyche. Like, you know, a lot of people, hardworking people, the right. very good math background. It's like some of the cultural traits lend, lend itself well to playing, playing poker and uh, yeah, I'm happy to be having a great year. I mean, it's you know, poker comes like uh, it's not it's not one of those games where uh, it rewards hard work right away, or the long run could you know you could run bad for like years. But I do believe that if you put work hard enough, um, you can get success at some point. Well, you've lived in California for a while, but do you stay in touch with all the poker players in India and and what's happening there? Um, I do stay in touch uh, with most of the most of my interaction happens with them during the World Series because uh, 
few of them, and actually it's, the contingent is growing every year. They come for the World Series, and that's how I came to know of them in the first place. I've also played with them, poker with them in India, back home in India. I've visited India back a couple of times uh, and, and visited card rooms and played there. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the friendship is kind of growing and, like, the relationships are kind of growing now. Well, this year out in Vegas, you won your first uh, bracelet, the first bracelet for an Indian player, uh, team, the tag team championship with uh, Aditya. And uh, tell me about that, the excitement of that for you and uh, as far as the accomplishments on your uh, on your chain of thought. Yeah, um, it was a special event. Like, uh, the kind of feeling you get winning, because poker is not a team sport. You know, everyone plays for themselves. No one really knows what the other person is going through financially, emotionally. It's a very secluded game. But when you win a team event, it's like the first time. The feeling when you win with someone is a different feeling than just playing for yourself. Because, you know, it's a game which inherently, just by the nature of it, is a very selfish game. Because you're winning money and you're playing for yourself. But when you play, and I was super happy to be paired up with a, with a guy from India. Right. And even though it happened by accident, I was like, it was elated. Like the whole, everyone was on the rail, they were cheering, and it was just it was a great time. Speaking of an accident, kind of a funny story that you actually had to go to the restroom and he ended up closing out the tournament. That's Tell me about that. absolutely true. There was zero strategy on part of who's going to play where. In fact, I was so in the zone, like, I didn't even realize that I could sub him in. Like, I, I was holding, I had to go to the restroom for an hour. And I was like, ready for the next break. And I'm like, I can't hold it anymore. So I just decided to run. And then Chance, uh, Chance, my good friend, was on the, on the rail. And he's like, Nippon, you can sub him in. I'm like, yeah, of Chance course. Chance Corners. Chance Corners, okay. yeah. And then he, then he went in, and he was playing so good. And, you know, the fact that he hadn't played with those guys before, they, you know, they had no idea how he played. And they were probably playing with me for me for like two days. Right. So they had a decent idea how I played. Uh, it went, it went, it was, it was pretty fun. Uh, tell me about the India Poker League. Uh, it's starting up this year. I don't know if you're going to have anything to do with that, but we know that the Global Poker League uh, was pretty revolutionary. Didn't really have the kind of success people hoped for. Yeah. But uh, the Indian businessmen are, are are getting this thing together. Yeah. And I, I like to see steps like that to really I, celebrate the sport. Yes, I think I think going forward, if you want to bring in advertising dollars into the game, right, and like bring in money into the game and you want if you want to like make this a more popular game you want to have to involve the masses and i feel like both gpl and i you know indian poker league ipl it's just like it's a great venture and you know it's a trial and error method like even though gpl didn't have an effect i'm sure the version two that will come around will be better than the version one it gives a feel of what you can do in the landscape and i and i like I have a lot of respect for entrepreneurs who are like risking their money by by promoting this because there's a risk in the end, you know. Poker's not a big money spinner for the organizers, even for the casinos. Like everyone who's involved with poker, I have a lot of respect for they because they are they do gamble uh, and they do do late on the line for uh, for people to promote it, like and go for it. Um, so yeah, I, I I was invited to be part of the IPL, but I was so close to the World Series and. Since it wasn't really well planned out, this like in terms of when I can get there and the schedule was the scheduling was an issue. So Maybe I next year. Make it. Yeah, I'm look. I I, I definitely want to go visit and okay. see how the timings and everything okay. works out because uh, I think it's a great idea. Well, I'm sure you had a very long summer out in Vegas this year. Uh, the fact that a lot of great players come from the series and come here to South Florida really is a tribute kind of to the Seminole Hard Rock that runs a great event. 
you just ended up chopping the first event, uh, which is a big one, a million-dollar guarantee, and uh, you're going to collect some nice money for this one. Uh, tell me your thoughts about coming to South Florida and how often you play here. Oh, I love the venue. I've been here. I've been a regular. This is one spot, location I do not miss, like no matter what. Uh, the fact that the property itself is so good, they have the best, based on me, they have the best tournament staff of all poker venues I've been at. They're very knowledgeable, they know what they're doing, and they actually care about the players. So, like, they want to make fair rulings, which is a big thing for me. Like, I want to see people invested emotionally and, like, they, they take pride in their work. And I feel the people, the professional staff here with the poker, they take pride in their work. I can, uh, Tony is like a great, one of the best tournament directors, I think he's the best. And um, so I, I never miss this venue. I like the. I, I always stay at, at the property, which makes it easy for me. Mm-hmm. They have a great pool, a great gym. All those things help decompress when I'm not playing, and I'm really, really uh, happy to play here. Well, we have the big four here. So what are your plans? Obviously, you'll play the main, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and will you play the high roller or some of the other things as well? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I'm not Depending sure. on how you do. Yeah, traditionally, I don't play the high rollers because uh, I feel like the, it's a tougher. I don't need to battle my wits against the best players in the world. I'm not one of those guys who's like, who has a big ego about poker. I want to play against softer fields and people who I feel I have an edge against. But yeah, we're going to try and satellite in, and if I get in through, yeah, I'll play. Okay. Obviously, you're playing well this summer. Playing, you win here. Uh, when people get on a roll, it's obvious that uh, it continues. It, it yeah. builds on itself. It, it is a confidence game, for sure. I mean, it's hard to quantify what exactly works, why, why it's a confidence game, but it is something about poker which, like, momentum is a real thing. I mean, I think if you're playing well it, and you keep on putting yourself in good spots, it does help. When you, uh, when you finish, finish things up here, uh, do you feel like you're carrying that Indian flag at all? Do you, do. That you represent your people? I do. I mean, I've been in the States for, for over 10 years now, 11 years, so, like, my loyalties are both ways now. Like, I do feel like... I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very proud to be in the States, and I'm very fortunate for the opportunities that this country has provided me. But, at, you know, I'm an Indian. I was born in India, and, like, and uh, there's definitely a sense, a part of me, a big part of me, that feels very proud to be born in India and being able to, like, do some of the things that no one else has done before from my country. Yeah. Okay. Good luck over the next week or so. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take our final break on the show. When we come back, we'll hear about online poker with gambling writer Steve Ruddick. Steve writes on uspoker.com. Also, some of his stuff appears on onlinepokerreport.com. And we'll discuss the passing of the law to permit online poker in Pennsylvania when we return. And also, what's going to happen around the rest of the country as far as online poker goes. We'll be back with our final segment after this. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, 
The prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Let's go back a couple of weeks. And, and really the big news in online poker was uh, this agreement uh, made by uh, Chris Christie uh, with Nevada and Delaware. Uh, I don't know exactly at what level the negotiations were, but they agreed to uh, to commingle pools. Uh, Nevada and uh, Delaware had done it for quite some time, but uh, to get uh, New Jersey in there as well was really a big news about uh, two, three weeks ago. Tell us about that and, and what kind of effect that's going to have on online poker. Yeah, that was uh, that actually foreshadowed um, what happened in Pennsylvania. So when New Jersey joined that agreement, the, the problem all along has been Nevada and Delaware have one operator, which is 888. Right. And in Nevada, it's uh, their partner with Caesars, which is WSOP.com. So in New, New Jersey, you have Party Poker, you have Poker Stars, and you have 888, you also have Pala. So if they join that pool, it would only be to the benefit of 888. Okay. So it was kind of one of those things where how can we join this pool when it's only going to benefit one operator? Basically, they'd be choosing winners right. in the market. So when they agreed to join up, that kind of signaled that there was something else afoot. Obviously, the most obvious thing would be Pennsylvania, where party poker and poker stars can get involved in that market and share players through that way. So, yeah, they don't have the Nevada market of 3 million people, but they do have these other two markets, which equal over $20 million, So, uh, One of the big things in the uh, Pennsylvania law that passed was there was no bad actor clause, which is holding up a lot of other places. Uh, so that allows uh, poker stars to get involved in the Pennsylvania market right away. Is that not correct? Yeah, there was no uh, language that would prevent poker stars from applying for a license. Uh, there's nothing in New Jersey either, but they were forced to sit on the sidelines for almost two years. So it's unclear how the Pennsylvania regulators will look at PokerStars' past activity, but as far as applying for a license, there's nothing preventing them. Right. Uh, as far as uh, people playing online poker, I, I remember about a year ago, I think it was in November of last year, Earl Burton wrote an article called uh, Online Poker Could Be in Dire Straits. And then there was another article that came out this year that said, since there, uh, you know, there's there's no movement for uh, legal online poker, uh, do you trust your money and some of these places that are out there? And how badly do people actually need online poker still? Is the demand out there now that uh, we're moving in a positive direction? Do you think it will uh, take off and, and and turn this game into something huge again? 
Well, I, I don't see it ever getting back to what it was in, you know, during the poker boom, like 2004 to 2010-ish, just for the simple fact that that was just an influx of players that had never even really heard of the game. There was a, you know, it was more of an, an older person game. When I got involved in the late 90s, it was, you know, there wasn't very many 20-somethings. So I don't think you'll ever see it for that reason. And the way it's happening now, even in Europe and other markets, it's balconized everything. Right. So you have all these segregated markets. You have France and Portugal, and they, they might start sharing players too, but it's still not that global thing entity that it was in their, you know, the mid-2000s where you, there was just 100,000 people playing online on any given site. So I, I don't ever see it getting back to that point, but there's still a massive demand for poker. I mean, you go into any poker room and it's still jam-packed and busy. Um, like I said, when I started playing in the 90s, it, there weren't poker was not anywhere near what it is now. So it might not be what it was during the boom, right. but it's still exponentially larger than it was in 1999. Right. Well, our focus here, of course, obviously is on poker, but this is a whole uh, online gaming uh, uh, impact here uh, with table games online and that sort of thing. Uh, the bizarre thing that people may be aware of is that the table games are going to be taxed at like 54%, poker only at uh, 16 I think, in Pennsylvania. So uh, clarify that if I'm wrong, and, and uh, what is the impact of that? Uh, you wrote a story about uh, a few days ago that, that they've already put themselves behind the eight ball because of that taxation. Yeah, the um, the 54% is slot, slots, online slots. Okay. Um, 16% is for poker and table games, okay, so your blackjacks and stuff. The problem is that slots make up a significant amount of the online revenue. Um, in New Jersey, it's as much as 70% of casino, online casino revenue. So you're talking about 70 to 75% of online gaming revenue is slots. So by taxing it, at 54%, I think we've worked out some models for it and the effective tax rate that online operators would pay. So if you just combined everything together, their effective tax rate is anywhere from about 39% to 42%. Which makes so it they, tough the, to be um, successful and make money, right? Yeah, so the, the the margins in New Jersey are pretty slim. I mean, I've talked to operators and I've heard them say, like, best case scenario is like a 15% margin based on New Jersey rates. Well, if New Jersey rates are around 20% effective rate and Pennsylvania's are at over 40%, then there's no, under those circumstances, there's really no way to make money. So I think what you'll end up seeing is a lot of um, less return to players on, you know, slot machines, table games, rules that aren't as good as they are in other places. Uh, you probably see a lot less marketing and promotions. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out because Pennsylvania has a 54% tax on their land-based slot machines, and okay. they're the second biggest commercial casino market in the country. Well, we'll and get... nobody, everybody said, this can't work. We can't make it work. Right. Well, somehow they made it work. So exactly. uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can do the same online. 
Well, you have gaming in uh, in New Jersey right now, obviously, for several years. So you got those people. In fact, uh, Pennsylvania probably makes up a good part of their market, people driving over to Atlantic City to bet live uh, games and, and live casinos also into different parts of New Jersey just to, just to play online. Uh, so that will change that uh, dynamic there. You also have New York uh, that we'll get to uh, in a little bit, which should be uh, maybe sometime uh, in the next few years the next one to come online. But that's going to affect all the area states right around Pennsylvania as to people coming into their state uh, to bring in revenue to their businesses. So tell us a little about that. Yeah, so um, interesting part of that story, um, Parks Casino, which is right near the right. New Jersey border, um, when New Jersey legalized online gambling, Parks actually lost a significant percentage of their New Jersey poker players from their land-based poker room. I think okay. the number they threw out was 40%. Wow. So they had a 40% decline in New Jersey players. And from our analysis, what was happening was these people were now, some of them were playing online in New Jersey, and they were getting land-based rewards at, say, Borgata or, you know, at Harris, wherever they were playing. So they were being enticed to go back to the land-based casino in New Jersey rather than go to parks. So it'll be interesting to see if parks can recapture or some some of their Pennsylvania players that that might be occurring with, too. Okay. And it will be interesting to see if they can find the new players like New Jersey casinos have done. The, the agreements that uh, the three states that are online right now made, uh, will Pennsylvania, you think, join in that immediately, or that will be down the road? It, it'll be close to immediate. Uh, Pennsylvania's law is it was almost built in. It was baked into the cake that they would eventually join into an interstate partnership. Um, I've talked to regulators in New Jersey, and they said that there's you know been a lot of talks with Pennsylvania regulators about pooling players. So it, it will happen. What, what I think you'll see first is uh, Pennsylvania regulators want to make sure that their safeguards and their regulations are working for their online poker operators once they're content that what they're seeing from their end is working as it's supposed to, then I think you'll see them take the next steps to pool players with other markets. Okay. Uh, you have a little bit about the timeline of when this is going to happen. Obviously, you have all kinds of uh, uh, applications for licenses. The Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board in charge a lot of that. Uh, you know, you're talking about 90 days uh, that they have to work on that. Uh, after 120 days, 20 days, you mentioned that uh, outside entities can apply for some of those licenses as well. So what is a, a ballpark figure that you can give us that people will actually go to their computers in Pennsylvania and be able to uh, play poker? That's, yeah, that's the million-dollar question. Our, our best, I mean, the date to watch is July 1st, 2018. Um, the fiscal year in Pennsylvania starts on July 1st, and they've earmarked so – the licensing fee money has been earmarked for this current fiscal year. So all that will happen. As soon as July 1st hits for 2018-2019 year, they need that recurring revenue from the taxes they're bringing in. So every month that they delay is, you know, 5 to $10 million that they're losing out in tax revenue right. from online. So a delay is not in their best interest. Um, New Jersey got theirs up and running in nine months. And they were basically the first to do something on that scale for that type of thing. So if they pull from New Jersey, which I said, as I said, there's been a lot of back and forth talk between regulators 
a lot of the regulations are going to be modeled after New Jersey's. So I, I think they could beat that timeline if they wanted to, but I think that's a relatively good timeline, nine months. So I, I, I would I would expect something in early July. If it goes more than that, it's probably some type of technical delays or something that's holding it up. You, you mentioned it being the million-dollar question. Another million-dollar question is, when New York? Uh, you know, you mentioned in a story that you did uh, about New York now has 25 million reasons to legalize online poker next year, uh, that they came close but uh, didn't quite get it done in 2016 and this year in 2017. So they're actually part of the way there where they can pick up where they left off and maybe uh, move it along a little bit quicker. But uh, the pressure's on in New York, no question, to for them to, to be next, right? Yeah, it's gonna. It, New York is going to take a serious grassroots effort from poker players to get it across the finish line. The state's not counting on the revenue from online poker to fill a budget gap like Pennsylvania was. They had a, a specific reason that lawmakers were looking to pass this bill. New York, it's more of a, we could get a little bit of revenue here. We could throw some consumer protections into the marketplace, but they don't have that overarching need for revenue that other states do. So in New York, it's going to take that type of um, daily fantasy sports grassroots contact your lawmaker, just pester them nonstop to really get it across the finish line. I mean, it's, The Senate's okay with it. They've passed the bill the last two years. There's some hiccups in the Assembly, and um, there's even still some questions about whether the governor is for it. But, again, it's one of – gaming is just – gaming expansion is one of those things where if lawmakers can avoid it, they just avoid it. There's no – it's not something they really want to vote on. And we should mention that uh, legalization of uh, DFS uh, and regulation of that is in the uh, Philadelphia or uh, the Pennsylvania bill. So uh, we should be able to see that uh, going on soon. So I guess the final question then is, what next? Uh, California just can't get their act together between the Indian tribes, uh, the uh, racetracks, and uh, and everything that's going on out there, and year after year they're passing up millions and millions of dollars by uh, the arguments that they have out there. Will California be next, uh, or are we looking at a state like maybe Illinois or Michigan or something like that? Uh, who's closest to getting things done outside of New York? Yeah, it's a, California has a lot of, uh, we'll just call it turmoil, between their uh, gaming entities out there. They're very, I mean, they just fell off the radar last year. They've They had very close in 2016 to getting something done, but at the end there was a lot of flip-flopping and a lot of of animosity was built up there. So I I don't see much happening in California in the near future. Uh, There's a lot of contenders for states. Uh, Like you said, Illinois and Michigan. Michigan kind of is like California light. They have the same uh, tribal commercial issue that they have to deal with there. Um, Illinois is a lot like Pennsylvania. They have budget issues. They're looking for revenue any way they can find it. Um, some other states that, you know, keep an eye on, a lot of the um, northeast states, uh, Connecticut could pass something pretty quickly. I think you could see Rhode Island could be a state that has Massachusetts casinos come online. Those casinos in Rhode Island and Connecticut are going to start being cannibalized by Massachusetts casinos. They're going to look for to make up that revenue somehow. The way I look at it is either the state needs money or the land-based operators in the state need help. They need need to be strengthened. 
How about Those are the two main factors that would help a, a state get across the finish line. A lot of our, uh, obviously, fans uh, are in the Florida area, and we've been talking about on and on about, you know, getting close, not getting close. Uh, will we have uh, destination casinos? Uh, will the tribes keep them out? Uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts on a national level looking at Florida? Uh, Fl- Florida is a, an interesting state. I mean, they have all the right ingredients to, to pass something. Um, the, the one issue there that's really problematic is the governor is uh, a Sheldon Adelson guy, and he's yeah. signed on to the anti-online gambling ban. So it, it, I think as long as you have him in place, it's going to be difficult. Uh, one other state that keep an eye on would be Indiana, where right. they have their land-based casinos have, you know, they're not struggling, but they could use some help. Uh, they passed a bunch of gaming gaming reforms over the past few years and Mike Pence is no longer the governor there so that's, that helps they don't really have that same roadblock yeah absolutely well finally got something done though I guess uh, as an industry and you got to feel good about that uh, certainly always something to write about that's for sure for you but uh, you, <laughs> yeah. have, you have to be thrilled that uh, that this big step has been finally been taken yeah yeah I've been watching this unfold for three years so it's, it's been an interesting journey. Learned a lot about uh, state-level politics along the way. Okay. Love to have you back on when we get a little bit closer to a kicking off up there. Uh, I'm sure you'll be watching it closely uh, pretty much every day of your life. Yeah, any, anytime you guys. Just give me a call. No problem. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate your uh, time tonight. All right, guys. And while we're giving thanks to Steve and all our other guests throughout 2017, we want to thank our fans for joining us here on the podcast every week, or as as often as you do, to listen to the latest news in the world of poker and hear from the game stars, the people who run the games, and from us and our feelings about the rules and strategy of the great game of poker. Also, thanks to my partner, Joe Rodriguez, for all his efforts throughout the year, and to our producer, Gio Ochoa, for the great job that he does, and thanks to Joe Castello, who lets us use his studio for our program each week. Thanks for being with us to you, most of all, and we hope you'll join us every week in the new year in 2018 here on Poker Action. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.